The following podcast is a production of Mosaic in Whittier, California, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org. All right, welcome. Good morning. How are you? How are you, Stephanie? Uh, if you are visiting today, welcome. We're glad that you're here. And uh, as we are in the midst of the Practical Wisdom series, we have a, another guest speaker this morning. And uh, so we have the other half of Team McManus here today. So uh, please join me in welcoming wife, mother, speaker, and the director of She Community Mosaic, Kim McManus. Good morning. How are you? Good, good, good. It's amazing to be here. I just live around the corner. (laughs) That's really the most amazing thing. Um, I don't have to drive very far, and it's just it's great. So you should all come over to my house sometime. Um, I, I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina. Anybody else? No? I grew up in the mountains of North Carolina. When I was eight years old, I went to live with a, a family. Um, I was a foster kid. And my parents were um, Theodore Roosevelt Davis and his wife Ruth. And they were already like in their 50s, late 50s, and they were farmers. And um, so I learned a lot from Theodore Roosevelt Davis as a farmer. Here I was, a little city girl, used to, you know, walking the streets, doing whatever I wanted to do, and now I was on a farm, and, and he would take me along with, I was a very big tomboy, and he would take me along and he would say, Kim, um, this is the field, you know, and he was so great at his crops and his plants and his trees, and they always produced these amazing fruits and vegetables. And he taught me what was necessary to do that. And I didn't know anything, but um, he would say to me, these are the weeds, and you can't just grab them, you have to get the root of them. And I didn't understand why. Except if you didn't, it would grow back and it would multiply and it would destroy the good. And I I had to learn that lesson. I had to learn that, that the lack of water was an enemy. So we had to irrigate. We had to bring water in. That disease was the enemy. And that those, those weeds, they were the enemy. And so now I've been at Mosaic for 16 years. Can I sit on this stool? I've been at Mosaic for 16 years, and I know that some of you might be new, but there's a whole spiritual community in different parts of the city, and they they join together on Sunday mornings and Saturdays, and they are an amazing group of people. And I've been a part of that community for 16 years. And I've learned that um, there are some roots, even with people that need to be reached down and pulled out, that there are enemies even among us that we need to identify and talk about and not be afraid to talk about those things, that kind of find their way in and they have no place. So I'll just be really honest with you. As I was thinking about these things, I also thought about Proverbs chapter 7. So if you have your Bibles, or if you want to look on the the wall up there, we'll have those verses there. Proverbs chapter 7. And I love Proverbs because it was written by King Solomon. 
and he was said to be the, the wisest man in all of the world, in all of history. So he had things to teach us, and he's actually writing his story. So Proverbs chapter 7, verse 6 says this, At the window of my house, at the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice, and I saw among the simple, and I noticed among the young men, a youth who lacked judgment. Now it would be um, interesting to see, okay, Solomon is in his palace, and he is looking out through way up there, and he's looking down, and he's seeing what's going on, this scenario unfolding. It's to, me, to me, it seems like just a common day in the life, right? But to him, it's not common. He said, I saw among the simple. Now, that's not like the starting of a country song. I'm just a simple man, was a simple woman, live a simple life. No. No, what was he saying? What's, what's another word for simple? Anybody know? What? No. What? Dumb. Okay. Dumb, foolish, rebellious. Um, in the Hebrew, the word for simple means seducible. It says, I saw among the seducible, and I noticed among the young men, a man, uh, a youth who lacked judgment. Now, it would be wrong to say that well, this talk is about teenagers, and I got one right up here on the front row. That's not, it's really not. Or men. Or um, stupid people. It's not that at all. Because the, being seducible is uh, across all genders, across all ages, right? So just that this was a younger man. It could be a young woman, an old woman, an old man in between. Let's pray. Father, whoever we are, you know us, and I, I am so confident, and I love the fact, Lord Jesus, that you know who we are, and sometimes that heart and the soul is without an age, and it is without a, a gender. So, Lord, I just pray that you would open up our hearts and just pour truth into them, and Lord, I pray that we would be changed forever because you are here. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as the story unfolds, it says this in verse 8. It says, he was going down the street near her where? All right. He was going down the street near her corner, right? Walking along in the direction of her house. It has no name, right? I like a name. I want a name. Who is she, right? But believe me, he knew where to find her on MySpace. He knew her address in Facebook, right? I'm thinking, oh, this is... Okay, he's a simple little guy, okay? Maybe he's seducible, but he's just taking a walk. He's just taking a walk. Look, he was going down the street near her corner, so what? But you know seducible people? There are territories they can't go into. When you know your own character and you know what breaks you, and you know what's tripped you before? There are territories, there are corners, there are streets we just can't go down, right? Do we know this? Sometimes it's rooms we can't go in. 
Sometimes it's channels we can't go to. Sometimes it's websites we just can't go in. They're too dangerous because we did that and it almost destroyed us before. But he was taking a walk, walking along in the direction of her house. And it said in verse 9, at twilight, as the day was what? Fading as the dark of night set in. So what's so important about the time of day? Can you tell me? This is where we talk back and forth. Just shout it out. What's so important about timing? Nothing. 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 Really. Okay, he's going back to his house. Sleep. What else? Oh, maybe a curfew. Come on. Almost. What? Okay. All right. Uh, the some things just happen, and they're accelerated in the dark. Right? Why was it so important that it was dark? You can't see it. It's less a chance that you could get caught. You know, if you're a seducible person, you there are territories you can't go to, but there's also these timing issues. And it's about triggers. It's what triggers you to to be a certain kind of person, to go a certain kind of place, to think of certain things that maybe for you could be off limits, you know, as a seducible person. The dark of night, it may that's all maybe all you need is your own personal privacy, and that's a trigger. Or maybe it's it's that you're exhausted. You've had a long day of work. You should be going to bed and resting is what your body needs. But then you're going places that are dangerous. You, you know those danger zones in your own life, in your own head? Do you know what they are? Not really. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, well. In my house, we have this alarm system, and it, when we bought the house, it was like built in. And when there is something going on that shouldn't be going on, it's triggered, and it literally goes like this. Get ready. Intruder! 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 And it's a male voice, so. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I leave my own house, even though it's mine, because it's so um, loud. It shakes my soul. We need to have those alarm systems go off in our head when there are triggers that send us to places that we don't belong. The Holy Spirit would say, I would be that trigger, I would be that alarm system in your soul if we would let him. And he would say, it's a danger. You're going into territory. We've been here before. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out now. Right? So, so let's continue. He said, at, at twilight, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. I don't know what triggers you, if it's loneliness or if it's um, time of day or if it's, um, if it's uh, when you're by yourself or when you're on vacation or when you're overworked. It says this in verse 10. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. So, so here was a woman, you know, this guy, you know, supposedly it's, it's so, such an innocent encounter, right? This woman comes out because that's what uh, temptation does. A seducible person only has to go to one point and then temptation will find you the rest of the way, right? Um, obviously, she was going to be the seducer. The seducer will find you. 
because the seducer knows what the seducible looks like, it's written all over their face. And, and the seducer knows exactly how much she can take or he can take. And so this woman comes out. She doesn't have to be a woman. She doesn't even have to be a person. She, she is obviously the seducer. So then she came out to, to meet him. Now, if it was, that's how, there's a medium. It's like exchanging names. How you doing? That's nothing. It says, except she was dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. Now, we know what a prostitute would be dressed like. But crafty intent, I don't think it means that she knew how to make her own stationery. You know? Crafty intent is that she was hiding something. It was hide, it, she, she was hiding an intention toward him that wasn't obvious to the seducible. Um, it was, it was, she was going to take him and take those things that were valuable from him and he wouldn't even know it until he was almost destroyed. You know, she was beautiful to him. But she was a taker. And because he wasn't a wise person, he was foolish, he couldn't see it. And, and that voice, that Holy Spirit, that alarm system in our head, it should have been saying, what? Andrea! 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 You know, run! Right now! Uh, Danger, danger. But if we don't let if we don't let that happen in our hearts and our minds before things start dominoing, we get in trouble about how quickly. Instantly we get into trouble. So it says she came out to meet him dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent she was hiding something. In verse eleven it says she is loud and defiant. So we know she was an American. Right? So, <laughs> loud lady, right? But defiant, what does it mean? What does it mean to be defiant? She was resistant. I'm, she was boldly resistant. Nobody's going to tell her what to do or where to go. She was in control of her own, her own body. Look, I'm not going to start. My mama couldn't tell me what to do. My daddy couldn't tell me what to do. You're not going to tell me what to do. She was defiant. It says this. Her feet never stay at home. Now, maybe she wasn't a housewife. Maybe she wasn't a homebody. What in the world does that mean? It says this. Now in verse 12, now in the street, now in the square, and in every corner she, what? Larks! That's a really strong word. Just because she wasn't a homebody. Right? You know, and when I was in high school, and they said, don't go behind the gym. Don't go behind the gym because they smoke behind the gym. Okay, I can stay behind. I can stay away from the gym. And then they said, "Don't go in the city in the red light district because that's where those women of the night." So if I just had to stay away from the red light district and behind the gym, I was good to go. I could stay away from anything that was harmful to my character. Except that was the seventies. Can you believe it? I was in high school in the seventies. All right. Today, um, she doesn't stay at home. The seducer is in the street, in the square, in every corner. That's what, that's where she lives. 
So this stuff that can destroy us, that can grab us around the neck and almost kill us, it's everywhere, isn't it? It's just such easy accessibility. And I think that's one of the things that we have to be really careful of. So, so it, goes, it goes like this. It says, um, in verse 13, she took hold of him and kissed him. This was no longer just an innocent walk or a meeting between friends. She has taken hold of him because she knows she can. That's what seduction does. She took hold of him. And now it was breath to breath. It was intimate. And she kissed him. And what would you say to him right now? You know, <laughs> get out of there. Go home. Find your mother. <laughs> you know, um, this little old man over at Beverly Hills, that mosaic over at Beverly Hills. He said, I, I would say, could I be next? I was like, Mel, that's not the right thing to say. Listen to the message, Mel. He loved the idea of meeting a woman. He was old. Um, this is what she said. She took hold of him and she kissed him in verse 13. And with a brazen face, she said, I have fellowship offerings at home. Today, I have, I have fulfilled my vows. What does that mean? With a brazen face. I mean, it's like, this is not the spray on tan stuff. This is not a bronze face. It's a brazen face. This is a hardened woman. That's what brazen means. She's a hardened woman. Because, see, she used to be the guy standing there. And she was the one who walked down the street. She was the one who walked near to the fire. She was the one who, who that used to be her story. But somewhere along the way, she became the seducer. And now she was hardened. You know, it's a dangerous place in our minds, in our spirits, in our hearts. When we get so hard, we can live as two or more people in the same body. It says, she, she explained to him, I have fellowship offerings at home. I've been to church already. I'm a Christian too. I know God too. And look, I gave money to God in the offering and then I promised him certain things and then tomorrow I'll do it all over again because, you know, he forgives every day, right? Right? And it was okay for her to live in this duplicitous life. In verse 15, 15 it says, So I came out to meet you, she continues, and I looked for you and I have found you. Isn't this destiny? And the seducible person, they just want to hear those words, don't they? They want to hear that, yes, yes, this is what it was meant to be. It doesn't, it doesn't look like what I thought it was be in the movie, you know. And this is, this is something different, but it's so romantic. And then she came out and she said, I've looked for you and I found you. And this is like so beautiful. And it's, I'm lonely, so yeah, I want to be found. Seducible people are just open to be found. And then she says, in verse 16, I have covered my bed with colorful linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. 
know what that's saying? Look, I didn't buy just any sheets from Target. These babies are imports. I bought these. These things are just for you. It attracted him in his sight, in his smells. It's a beautiful thing I have done because I have been waiting for you. And then she gives the invitation. This is the big invite in verse 18. Come, come, let us drink deep of what? Let us drink deep of what? Come, let us drink deep of love till morning. Does this sound romantic? Does this sound poetic? Let us enjoy ourselves with love. Look, what she wasn't saying is, this is, this is ugly. This is not right. This is way beyond the boundaries. But we'll call it love, okay? We'll call it love. This is adultery, but this is really, we'll call it love. This is perversion, but let's call it love. And let's enjoy ourselves. Um, there, there is a time when you have to sit down with yourself and say, okay, what is true love really? What is true love? And what am I going to respond? How am I going to respond when somebody says they love me? And what does that love mean? And yes, we should have trust in, in, in people, but you know what? You shouldn't just believe every time somebody says, don't believe it. Because trust comes before that. And she was offering it too freely and too openly and too quickly. Yes, we want to hear, we were, we were wired to hear those words. I love you. But we're not always supposed to trust those words. Because love is something else. Love is not supposed to take. And love is not supposed to use. And we're in those situations, something in our head should say, <laughs> Danger! Danger! What is he really saying? What does he really mean? What is she saying? Where am I going? What am I doing? In verse 19, she continues. Look, my husband is not at home. Oops, did I forget to tell you I was married? Oh, okay, I'm married. And my husband is not at home. It's a good thing. He's gone on a long, long journey. And he took his purse filled with money. And he's not going to be home until full moon. So, um... It looks like her husband had his own issues, right? I don't know why they weren't together or why the husband had to leave, but he was in Vegas. He had a pocket full of money, and that was his attraction. He was his own kind of seducible person, and he was gone. You know, I, I, had, I did this TV show, and there were, I was a part of a panel, and... One of the ladies that was, I didn't know any of the ladies, none of the ladies on the panel, and I got to meet this one woman, and she was the sweetest looking lady in her 60s. I just thought she's gonna, she's gotta be from Texas, someplace like that, and she was. And she said, you know what? I had one goal in life, I had one goal. And she said, um, so, to get to that goal, I set up an abortion clinic. And in that abortion clinic, I, per, I performed 53,000 abortions. 
Uh, and her goal was not because she was pro-choice or because she was, you know, all about women having women having their own rights to their own bodies. That's not what her thing was. She said, "I had one goal, and that was that goal was to be a millionaire." And she said, "If I had a doctor doing abortions here and another doctor doing abortions down the hall, then I knew exactly how many women had to come through that door in order for me to ultimately get to a million dollars." I was shocked. Her life was radically transformed by Jesus Christ. But she made it very clear that her goal before was money. And it looked like that was her husband, this woman's husband. He had, he had a, a pocket full of money and it was going to lead him to be gone for a long time. So the invitation was this. Hey, look, my husband's gone. And so we can't get caught. Come on in. It's a good thing, right? And so he, he said this. Uh, verse 21, uh, she spoke to this young man with persuasive words. She led him astray and she seduced him with her smooth talk. And all at once in verse 22, all at once, he ran home squilling. No, he he did the right thing and dropped to his knees and started praying. He, what? All at once, he followed her. Now, I could take debate because, you know, if you have a, a strong character and you know where, what direction your compass points, you're not all at once going to be taken. But that's something that happens before the meeting on the street, on the corner, right? But, but he didn't have that. So all at once, uh, he followed her. Be careful of all at once coming and leaving you unprepared. And this is, as we go on, it says, uh, it goes, gets all really di uh, Discovery Channel for some reason. It says, like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. I don't know why it has to be that descriptive. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now, I don't know um, if when he all at once followed her, if he was picturing in his mind a, a bird or an ox or a deer. More than likely, he was seeing in her face something he really, really, really wanted more than anything. And I don't know um, what it is that in your heart you so want and are drawn to that all at once you would follow in a moment. Little knowing, like I'm not seeing a bird when I really want something. I'm not seeing it trapped and dying. I'm not seeing a carcass laying on the ground. He wasn't picturing the, the end game and how it was going to leave him. Hey, she wasn't offering up, hey, I'm going to destroy your marriage. I'm going to break you. I'm, I'm going to take away your future. And he said it, and he followed her and little knowing it was going to cost him his life. Today, we just can't afford the little knowing, Right? We have to have a lot of knowing, a lot of understanding, a lot of wisdom. I don't know what it is for you, if you've ever been in a, 
um, a seducible human being. I know what that's like. And I know it has faces, and I know it's not always about um, men and women. I know it's about money. I know it's about um, lots of other things. But specifically, this morning, I want to finish our time. I want to introduce you to two people that serve um, in, at Mosaic, and they have done that for years. They're, it's a family, a, a beautiful family. And I want to introduce you to Anthony and Mandy. And I'd like for them to come up. Anthony and Mandy. Um, so we were doing this. We were doing a series of practical wisdom, right? And so people would ask questions, and their questions would come to us via email. And we've been doing this um, a while at different locations. And we received two questions that, to me, were very, very disturbing. And I thought, like, these people, even though I don't know their names and I, I don't know maybe specifically what they look like, these are serious questions. And, and this is their two questions. One, um, pornography is ruining my marriage. How do I support my husband through this and love him when I feel so uh, disgusted and hurt? And the second question was this, from somebody who uh, came to one of our, our gatherings. It says, I am in the pornography industry. Am I going to hell? I think there's so many different kinds of people sitting at Mosaic. So many different kinds coming through our doors and, and, and talking and living our lives. Sometimes we don't know that they're really broken and hurting. So, Mandy and Anthony, I just want you, Anthony, start and share. Like, how was it that that pornography became an addiction to you? Yeah. Uh, I grew up in Mexico City, and uh, I was a missionary kid. And from a really young age, I was exposed to uh, pornography. And so, uh, I remember the first Playboy magazine that I saw was in third grade in uh, in my school in recess. And so from that age on, it really just took um, a hold of me. And I was exposed significantly growing up. My uncle's house, he used to have playboys around. There was 11 of us cousins, boy cousins. So every time we'd go to Uncle Carlos's house, that's what we would try to find. He had the uh, satellite dish, so we'd be able to find stuff on the TV. Uh, in junior high, I remember going to different uh, friends' houses to actually do schoolwork together. But instead, we would actually look at uh, pornography and hardcore videos. And it didn't even matter what age you were. You could go like to the different um, corners, street corners. You could get magazines. You could get videos. Um, and so I remember even one of them telling me at one point, in, uh, and I was in seventh grade, and they said, Anthony, we can see you doing this one, t- one day when you're older. And I remember it sticking with me as, as something that almost like grabbed me. And it didn't stop there. It, it continued as I was, you know, going into high school. I remember um, in, in my house, once we got, like, cable and we had those channels of HBO and Cinemax and Showtime and all those were available and then even, like, Satellite Dish and then having all that accessible and even figuring out, like, my, uh, the, the code that you would have to break to, in order to get into those channels and unlock them. And then it went into high school uh, when I was in, came to the United States to finish my high school. And I remember in school, one guy at, at, um, at the computer doing a sex search online 
So all these websites came up, and I remember realizing at that point, oh, you can actually access this, not have to buy it. You can actually access it from home if you have Internet. And so then that became the addiction to Internet and became very much a part of almost even my coping mechanism with life. Um, continued through college, and I went to a Bible college. Uh, and so even in Bible college, I would find ways to uh, access it, um, and then it was something that became a part even of a secret in my relationship with Mandy that when it came out, that that was something that we broke up for because she didn't want to have to deal with that in the person that she was with. But my attitude was that of, you know, I don't want this to control me. I don't want this to be the thing for me. Um, but it, it, it got to a point that I didn't want to hurt her, so I kept hiding it and kept hiding it and kept hiding it and eventually even as um, we became married and I was a youth pastor um, it didn't stop there it, even at church I would access uh, pornography online and it started getting more and more gradual that I didn't feel like I could share this with anybody and I didn't feel that I could actually trust people with this I felt like these could be the things that I'm just going to struggle with and it's just going to be me and you God nobody else needs to know about it um, and then there was a point that it turned to a little bit more significant. I, was, uh, I went to go and preach at my old Bible college. And um, on my way home, there was this place that we'd always pass by. And it was an actual strip club. And this was the first time that I didn't have my spouse with me. And I was by myself. And I was even coming back alone late at night. And I realized, you know what? I'm just going to check it out. So I've always thought about it. I've always wondered what it's like. And so I decided to do that as a youth pastor, as a husband. I felt so guilty about it. I felt so ashamed. But the next year when I was doing the same drive, after going and preaching again at, a, at the same place, driving back by myself, realizing, you know what? I've been there before. It's not that big of a deal. This is like my secret that I'm just going to basically take with me to the grave. And nobody needs to know this about me, but it's just me. And so I decided to do that one more time. And then we moved from Kansas City to L.A. and to be a part of Mosaic. We wanted to, to be a part of a community that uh, they have this master's program. And, and so both Mandy and I got accepted to the protege program. And all this, obviously not letting anybody know that this is my life, this is my past, these are my addictions, this is my struggle. And so we got accepted here. And I said, you know, I'm just going to leave all that stuff behind, but never really had the courage to really engage uh, in honest conversations here to that depth. And in February, I got, um, uh, I got injured at one of the... I went to go preach at a, at a youth conference in Colorado and went snowboarding, and I hurt my, my wrist. And I'm, I work for UPS, and so I've been working nights uh, now for... It's been a while and um, I worked there for over a year, but now working nights and having my, my wrist hurt, I, I had a, a night that I couldn't go to work. And I had found at the Mayan downtown where we gather for Mosaic, I had found this card that was actually um, a strip club VIP entrance for a free entrance to go downtown. And, um, and so this night that I was injured and I'd already, already kept this card, I realized, you know what, I have a free pass. I can do that one more time here in L.A. just to see what L.A. strip clubs are like. And 
And so I decided to go as a volunteer staff of Mosaic, as a protege. And uh, that's where I realized that, you know what, there's something really wrong and there's something really broken in me. And, um, and I'm trying to really cover it with all these things and never really allowing other people to know about uh, this addiction. And so it gotten to that degree in my life. Okay, so Mandy, it had to, it had to hurt. So what, is that, what does that look like? I'm not a person that goes there a lot with my emotions. Uh, I tend to shut them off and just kind of go into go mode and do what we need to do. And so even to talk a whole lot about what I felt um, is really almost foreign to me. Um, but I, when he first um, told me, I think through all of this, I mean, there's obvious hurt feelings of betrayal. Uh, you want to be able to trust your husband and that when he says something that it's the truth. Um, a lot of shame because we had talked about it before and we, and we knew and a lot of my friends when we were looking to get married had warned me that um, this was going to be an ongoing issue. And um, so, and even to the point of them warning me against further things, like, man, it's not just going to stop with the porn. And so there was shame, there was embarrassment. Um, I felt the fool um, for, for believing him and that not being the truth. Um, there was fear in knowing that it was getting progressively worse. Uh, what's it going to be next if it's moved from the pornography to the strip clubs? Um, what's going to what's gonna be coming? Am I going to be that woman, you know? Um, and then it would all kind of move towards anger of, um, I'm not going to lie, times wanted to take him out to a field, get a pellet gun, and tell him to run. Um, and just, just anger, anger at him, anger at the porn industry, anger at the church for other men not coming um, alongside him the way that I felt that they should have. Um, instead of just do just get triple X put on your on your on your computer or triple um, X church on downloaded on your computer or um, you know dude you just gotta stop it there's some things that you want to do that you just can't do you know and just leaving it at that instead of getting at the at the core issues um, and I think yeah just um, a lot a lot of hurt. Um, and just sadness, too, I think, for him and watching him struggle with something and not knowing what to do about it. Um, and then, to be honest, too, there was a little excitement when he first told me about it when we got here to L.A. after all the strip clubs. And he totally tame, came clean of now we can move somewhere. Now, um, like, there was a glimpse of hope even amidst the hurt and the anger. So, like, in the, this last year, you've, there's been some freedom. So Yeah. So what is that? What's the last year look like? Yeah, the last year has been, I mean, a, a huge change for me because there was a moment that um, I was actually in Azusa at a, at a conference, and I'd been talking to a friend, and he was just being so honest and real with me about his struggles. And um, when someone is just so real and honest and, like, it's your struggle as well, it's like you can't keep it anymore. And so I'd talk to him, and I'd also... Uh, been talking and having these conversations with another man from, from Mosaic and in his past um, I saw in his past what could be my future if I didn't change but he was, he'd shown me what hope looked like and what change and he'd been going through a program called Celebrate Recovery and, he, and I could just see in him just the change that had happened in his life and so 
there's not only God brought people in, in my life that were being so real and honest with me, but I decided finally at one point to say, God, I can't do this anymore. And so I, it was one night in a, in a conference, and I, there was, I went to a prayer room, and I decided to write a letter to God to actually finally put it all out and, and say, God, this is what I've been hiding. Obviously, you know this, but almost to be ready and to be willing to, to embrace whatever consequences came. And so in that moment, as I'm writing this letter, Mandy calls me. And so she calls me because I had to go to work that night. She's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm just like, Mandy, I got to tell you this. And so I, I started over the phone just telling her this is what's been going on. And so that night I had to go to work. And so basically we had to go the next day to go and, and talk about it. Um, and it just began a journey for me of honesty and of learning what it means to actually like sp- speak the truth and no longer have secret corners in my life. And it's been a, a habit that I've had to really significantly break that now it really eats at me if I have anything and I, I can no longer lie about things because it eats at my soul and I've allowed God to really just get that deep instead of being hardened and being brazen and, and just keeping him at a distance. And so I began conversations with people. I began uh, talking to, to people in, in, um, as a part of, that are part of Mosaic and they actually started embracing me and, and saying, man, we're so thankful that you're being honest, we're, we're so proud of you for actually embracing this part of, of life. And, um, and so it just began just as almost a snowball effect of, of conversations with people in the, a protege group and talking with them and actually allowing other people to speak truth into my life. And, uh, and to go with me, I began to go to a Celebrate Recovery group that we go on Sunday nights. And so that allowed other conversations with other men who are actually going through the same thing for us to actually battle together and not be ashamed of it, but it was hard. It's hard to realize that that's been my life, that that's been a part of my story, and that the pain that I've caused her and other people. Um, at Mosaic, I was in, in um, overseeing the junior high department, so I was removed from, from that area of leadership appropriately because the thing that Mosaic told us that I'd never heard before was, we care more about who you are than what you do. And we care more about you and your restoration and your wholeness and your family than anything you can give us. I was removed from a trip that I was going to help lead in Bali, Indonesia with the missionaries and overseas workers because their desire was for us to actually reconcile, for us to actually move with God rather than just keep Him and work for it. You know, for him, and so it's been a—it's a really amazing journey. It's been a lot of ups and downs, but the thing that I'm thankful for, that I'll always be thankful for, is to have a place that will actually embrace me in my brokenness, but to love me through it. And Mosaic has been that, and your family has been that, and the staff has been that for us, and we're just so thankful to be here. I am. I. I. These two questions kind of haunted me from these people that sent them in. So, Mandy, I'm just going to ask you just quickly to say, what would you say to the, the wife who says that pornography is destroying her marriage? And how does she support a husband and love him when she feels so hurt and disgusted? The first thing I think is really important to know is that you're not alone. Um, you're not alone in your pain. You're not alone in your grief. You're not alone in your anger. Um, 
you're, you're not alone in anything that we're walking. Like we're not alone. Um, this isn't just my issue. This isn't just his issue. It's not your issue. It's not your husband's issue. Um, it's all of our issues as we're journeying together as a community, caring and loving for each other. And so in no way are you alone with whatever you're, um, you're, you're dealing with, um, and the hurt that, the hurt that you feel, um, I think, too, it was really important for me to understand that it's not, it's not about me, that the, that the addiction for him started way before he even met me. It had nothing to do with me being um, inadequate in any way. It wasn't that he wanted to go and look at a pretty girl because he gets to look at one every day. Um, so that, that wasn't... That was, <laughs> That's right. That, that wasn't it. It was um, There were d- deeper um, core issues, um, pains that he was trying to medicate, um, fears that he was running from. Like there, were, there was just a lot that goes into it at his core, and there was those questions that needed to be asked, and I had to put my insecurities, because um, it kind of wants to veer that way, um, aside to be able to really um, help him journey through asking those hard questions. Um, and I think the other thing, too, is to also take responsibility for the part that I played in our marriage, to take responsibility for um, my forgiveness, to take responsibility for my relationship with God, to take responsibility for my character. Um, if I was totally erupting every time he was honest with me and I didn't want to hear it, even if it was just about, like, money or anything, that I, I possibly was enabling him to not tell me the truth. And so we needed to work out those things in our marriage, and I needed to take responsibility for my character issues. Uh, and then also, I think really just to see him as God sees him. And as I claim the scripture um, for myself, which is one of my favorites, for you are God's masterpiece, and he has created you anew in Christ Jesus to do the good things that he's planned for you long ago. I needed to pray and claim that for my husband, that God has a plan for him, and um, that they're, they're, it's for good, good things. And um, I needed to see him that way and see him in the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus um, instead of through through the anger um, and my hurt that wanted to like raise up sometimes. So the second question, Anthony, was um, I, I'm in the porn industry and um, am I going to hell? Would you speak to that? Yeah, I mean, what I would say to that person is uh, I would just use the words of Christ, you know, and he came to this world not to condemn the world but to save the world. Uh, but the reality is this, and this is what it says in John 3, and starting verse 18, it says, There is no judgment awaiting those who trust him. But those who do not trust him have already been judged for not believing in the only Son of God. Their judgment is based on this fact. The light from heaven came from, um, into the world, but they loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. They hate the light because they want to sin in the darkness. They stay away from the light for fear that their sins will be exposed and that they will be punished. But those who do what is right come to the light gladly so that everyone can see that they are doing what God wants. So what I would say to this person is God wants so much for you to experience wholeness and health and healing and forgiveness and if you choose to come into the light and if you choose to trust him, he will take you and he will heal you if you allow him. But I think what I've had to learn, the biggest lesson is that if I keep things hidden in my life, I'm choosing to put him away and I'm cho- choosing to reject 
His love and His grace, and even choosing to reject a community of people that can help me. So what I would say to that person is you're not alone, and there's a community here, and there are people here who are willing to journey with you through whatever. And that's what I've experienced. And so there's groups like Celebrate Recovery that people who've had horrible addictions that have destroyed life around them, they've experienced healing and wholeness and reconciliation and new life. So that's what God is all about. And that's what he offers. And that's what he's done with me and is continuing to do with me. Because I'm not there yet. I'm still in a journey. I'm still going. So that's what I would say to them. I know as uh, we, we close, I, I, I shared this talk in England and two women came up to me at different times. And one said, you know, I am... I am addicted to pornography, and so this isn't just a man's issue, but uh, how do I get out of it? I'm so ashamed. And so I, I told this girl, who was a computer analyst, and her issues were on the internet, uh, to burn her computer. I didn't say that, really, because that was her life, her job. So I said, you know what? You're one choice from freedom. One choice away from freedom. And, and I gave her some specific things to do. Accountability. Get help you know, in, in the community. Um, come clean. Come into the light. Light is a beautiful thing, right? It is a purifying thing. And she followed through with all those. Another woman came up and said, I'm the seducer here. I know I recognize that woman because I am that woman. And uh, she really just wanted to be a different person. And I just wanted to, I'm going to ask Mandy if she would just pray over the women here. And, and if Anthony, if she, he would just pray over the men. Uh, but I'm just saying that freedom is just one choice away. This is um, the wisdom that comes down from heaven. That's from God. It's first pure. We have to run for that purity. We have to run toward it. So is it the, the pure in heart, they shall see God. I want to see God. I want to know what that is. And so let's just, um, let's just pray. God, it's so humbling just to know how, how good you are and um, God, how mighty you are and how gracious you are and how much you love us and you delight in us and that none of this surprises you. Um, God, you are so intimately involved in our lives, and um, I humbly just just thank you so much for your grace and your forgiveness. And God, I just want to pray for the women in this room um, right now. I pray that they, God, that you would just speak to their hearts and to their souls, that they would know how beautiful they are, um, how how creative they are, um, God, how they have so much to to offer to this world and. Um, God, that you delight in them. Um, God, that they would know um, just the value the value that they have uh, as women. And um, God, I pray for the wives who, um, who might be walking aside, alongside men who are struggling with. God, that you would give them courage and strength to, to take that journey and to fully um, embrace it and to have um, grace and for forgiveness and um, boldness to have the hard conversations and um, God, the courage to also seek out other people who, who they can talk to, uh, who will be safe places for them to be real and to be honest with. God, I pray 
for just light to shine over over the families and the homes that are represented in this room. Um, God, that you will just invade that space and bring about wholeness and healing um, for the deepest, most broken places of our souls. And um, God, women who um, also might be struggling with this issue um, or who also might be on the end of, of the seducer, God, again, I just pray that we would know how valuable we are, that we are and that we can find on that hope in you and um, God that we're that we're worth um, pursuing after purity and after love and after after light and after wholeness. Um, God, again, I thank you so much for your grace um, for all of us, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. God, I just want to lift up our hearts to you. I want to pray for the men in this room, God, that you would uh, humble us, that you would break us. That the things that we've kept secret in our life that would actually be brought out into the light. That we would actually trust others. That we would actually be real and honest with our relationships, especially with a spouse. Father, because we know that it affects everything that we do. The way we parent, the way we work, our lives. God, I just pray for your freedom to reign and for your forgiveness to to be poured out as people embrace your light and your truth. And God, I thank you so much for what you've taught me and what you're doing in my life. And I thank you for forgiving me and for surrounding me with such a great community that will actually embrace me, not reject me, that will actually walk with me, not leave me alone. So I pray for that for these men, that we would actually be the men that you've called us to be, that we would actually choose strength and honor and integrity as a path that we, that we live and that we would actually trust you with everything. Father, I pray for bonds to be broken, for the enemy to be shattered, and for men to rise up to who you've called them and who you have created them to be. I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this production by Mosaic Whittier, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information about Mosaic gatherings and events, please visit mosaic.org.